The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The stove, the refrigerator, all the pots and pans. The sink? Sure, take the kitchen sink too. Yeah, pretty much everything in the kitchen I could live without if I had to. Except, of course, my Keurig Brewer. Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button. All without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder your Keurig Brewer is the favorite thing in your kitchen. Visit Keurig.com for more info. about to inspire you with the stories of real people. Welcome to A Current Life with your host, Jimmy Gould. In the next hour, you will meet one of the most interesting and successful people in the world. Listen as Jimmy gets their real story of success, both the highs and the lows. We hope that you take with you some of the ideas we will share today and embrace your own journey. Now, here's Jimmy. Hi, this is your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'd like to welcome you to the inaugural show of A Current Life. Brought to you by Smart Water, Wild Things Gear, and Ad Space Mall Network on the Voice America Variety Channel. I'm very excited to be able to share with you the inspiring stories of my special guests. Each week I will invite a close friend, colleague, or someone whose story has brought inspiration into my life. You will probably recognize some of their names and be familiar with their work, but that is not what this show is about. Yes, all of my guests have experienced great success. But this show is about their personal journey, not just their accomplishments. My first guest is my very dear friend and colleague, Maxine Clark, who is the founder and chief executive bear of Build-A-Bear Workshop. Maxine, it is such an honor to have you as my first guest. So often I've wondered with this great company that you've built over 14 years and the positive effect you've had on so many kids throughout the world, what you were like as a little kid growing up in Coral Gables, Florida. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I was always really nosy. You know, I always wanted to know how to figure things out, like how were um, how were businesses created, how were products made, how were air, how did airplanes fly. I was always really um, just so you know curious about how people got from A to B, and I was always asking a lot of questions. I was I had a lot of friends that were children, but I also enjoyed being around adults and listening to adults talk about their stories. So Build-A-Bear, you know, has really become a story. It's a story of my life, but it's also the story of the lives of our guests, little children who come in to make a bear for themselves or a bear for a grandma or a a teenage boy that makes a bear for uh, his girlfriend or vice versa. So it's all about stories. And so it seems, even though I didn't know it when I was a little girl, that I was destined uh, to do something like I've accomplished the last 15 years. Did you you face challenges, opportunities come your way or obstacles while you were growing up that had a particular effect on what you uh, accomplished later in your life? I guess we all do. I, I come from this much very positive background. I mean, I was always taught that I could be anything I wanted to be, and so I have a, a definitely more than half um, full uh, philosophy of life. I believe in possibility. And my grandparents you know, migrated to this country hardly spoke English, and while they didn't do those things for themselves, they did them for their future grandchildren and their children's grandchildren and all the generation's future. So I think I was always sensitive to that, but I didn't come from a wealthy family by any stretch of the imagination. I came from a family that worked hard and valued education. Uh, Even though my parents did not have a college education, they certainly valued that for me, and I loved school. they, They taught me that school was my responsibility as a child, that I was supposed to be there and my goal was to come away with learning, not necessarily, um, you know, did I have to be a straight-A student, although that was certainly encouraged. I wasn't that, um, but I certainly was, a, uh, because I was a student that was always inquiring, I think that played a big part. But 
I, I always would able, you know, I was a woman growing up in the 50s and 60s, and when I went out into the working world in the 70s, uh, working for a large corporation, I, I did encounter, you know, things that, that might have seemed to other people as discrimination and obstacles, but I saw them as opportunities, uh, always a, an opportunity for me to shine, for me to do better, to me to keep keep moving forward. And, and I didn't look at it as a negative. I looked at it all as a positive. Did you get in trouble? I know when I was a kid growing up, I was always getting in trouble. I wondered, did you get in trouble a lot? I actually was a pretty good kid, but there were things that I did. I remember this one thing. I, you know, I remember t- uh, taking the before I was old enough to drive. I remember taking my dad's keys off of his dresser. My parents went out to dinner, and my friends and I thought we were going to go for a little joyride. And you know, we thought we could, we knew how to drive. And you know, um, while, while I was uh, driving, I came in and put it in the driveway, and I thought, oh, I'm so smart. My dad's never going to figure this out. And I I hit the the directional signal and it broke off, you know, like, and how am I going to explain this? I mean, my, you know, it's like, you can't not get caught, you know, doing these things. And of course, then I just left it on the floor. So my dad would think that, you know, it got, and the next day he came into me and he said, you know, I know you were in the car. I know you drove it. And I understand every kid has to do that. And, and, you know, I did get punished, but I was, it was like one of those kinds of punishments that, you know, I never did it again. And I remembered it my whole life. And, you know, a couple other, one time I was, you know, sassy to my mom and my dad said, you're grounded, you know, and I was grounded for a week. And every night my dad took the kids in the neighborhood out for Dairy Queen, which was something I really loved. And I didn't get to go. So I got the message. You know, there were certain things that, you know, you get the message. But I was generally, um, you know, a pretty good kid. And I learned from those lessons that, you know, I didn't make the same mistake twice. Let's put it that way. And I think you have to, you know, grow up and, and take those chances and take risks. I, did, I was a, ch- a child that took risks maybe differently um, than some other kids did, and I think that also rewarded me um, in my business career and my entrepreneurial life uh, to, you know, to uh, continue to try. And, you know, you're going to make some mistakes along the way because you don't want kids to be perfect. They have to try, but they have to understand the consequences of their actions, and I think my parents did teach me that very well. I, I actually think it's important for kids to make mistakes and I encourage my kids to make mistakes I encourage them to take risks obviously I hope they're measured risks but uh, I agree with you I, I would probably like specifically to know who was your single greatest influencer as you were growing up was it a teacher was it a grandparent was it a you know who was it that had probably the biggest impression uh, on you when you were growing up well, I know it, it probably sounds, you know, common for people to say this, but my mother was really the single largest influence on my life. She was um, an incredibly uh, smart woman, and she was very um, high standards. And when she was, um, before I was born and during World War II, she worked for Eleanor Roosevelt, and she was her traveling secretary. And so as, um, you know, she brought a lot of sensibility about the world and uh, about uh, other people that might not have as many advantages as uh, we might have, at least when I was growing up. And so my mother was very much a social justice person, and she cared a lot about the underdog, and she taught that to me. And while there were many times, you know, I, I think this is probably too for boys and their fathers, but particularly girls and their mothers, you know, there's lots of things that you go through in life. Say, I'm not going to be like her. I'm going to be different. And I was, diff- you know, I really worked hard to be different and to be my own person because my mother was such a strong personality. But in my later years, especially since, you know, the last probably 20 years or so, I can see myself becoming my mother's daughter um, in so many ways. And actually, my next book that I'm going to write, I've started it a little bit, is going to be called Becoming My Mother's Daughter, because my mother would have changed the world if she could have. And I actually believe that I can change the world. And I see opportunities in business where I can, you know, influence in business and, and use those influences to do, to do good, not to just make profits, but to also do good. Well, as you know, uh, this show is really about the entrepreneurial spirit. It's about, you know, the inspiring of people from young ages to want to go out and challenge the world and find their dreams and build their dreams. And it's why we refer to this as the journey more than it from the top and that people can go and, and, and go after their dreams and take the kinds of risks that you took, not just when you were younger and growing up and challenging yourself, but also in your business career. We've known each other almost 15 years now, and you've done something that nobody had ever done before. Nobody had ever created an interactive retail concept like Build-A-Bear. And, you know, I'm curious, the first day you ever saw a kid come into your store, your very first store, which was in St. Louis, Missouri, and you saw the kid make the bear and put the heart in it and dance up and down, what did it feel like for you? It was a it was a huge wow. Um, I will never forget that day, and I'll never forget, you know, who it was. 
uh, even though we had some test you know, days that we were open and we let kids come in and make bears. But really, when we opened for business on October 26, 1997, um, you know, th- that little girl who was the first person to make a bear in our store is now in college. And um, she made her, her, she actually made a cow and she named it Milky. Uh, it, it was, and she still has that cow. I think Milky went off to university with her. And he, you know, I remember her face, her eyes just lit up like she was in this, um, you know, incredible make-believe place. And this was all for her. You know, that's what it looked like on her face. Like, wow, this is for me. And that's really, you know, kind of made me think that when every child comes into these kinds of places, it's not that they're self-centered. They're, they really are about them. And they come in and they, they do really believe it's for them. And we want them to feel that way, too. And that was a great thing. I was so nervous um, before we opened the doors and before people walked in. And then when I saw this little girl walk in, it changed my entire demeanor. And I realized I was just supposed to have fun with her. She reminded me of myself when I was a little girl and I went shopping with my mom. It was always magical. We didn't buy anything necessarily. We just looked. But the looking was as fun as the buying, and I think that's how um, how Rachel, that was her name, Rachel felt that day when she walked into our store. It was just a big wow, and that's all we needed to be is, you know, a, you know let, let it come. And, and then the kids do half the work for us because they have so much fun. They make, it, they make it fun for us. How many, you know, with that in mind, do you know, I assume you do know, how many actual teddy bears have been made at Build-A-Bear Workshop since you started in 1997? Jimmy, you will, this is an incredible number. Um, in just a few weeks, we will cross the 100 millionth stuffed animal made at Build-A-Bear Workshop. Wow. Did you ever dream that uh, something like this would happen? I mean, uh, when you think of that number and how many children's lives you've affected, and, you know, there are a lot of listeners that are sitting there wondering what they want to do with their lives and dreaming dreams and wanting to go out and having people encourage them. A hundred million is just an incredible number. You must it, be very proud. I am very proud of that. And, and it, it, isn't, it isn't the number of, it really is the influence that we've had on children because, you know, the one thing I get to see that even you as a close friend of the business don't get to see is I look at our selling reports from all over the world, and it's great for me to look at a child in Japan or a child in, in Singapore or South Africa or St. Louis, Missouri on a Monday morning when we review our reports and see that the, the number one animal in, in St. Louis is also the number one animal in all these other countries, and that children have so much more in common, and that they, if, if it was up to children and teddy bears, this would be a very peaceful world, because they all start out with this incredible um, imagination and sense of, you know, wow, that over time, adults and, you know, processes and business procedures and politics kind of, you know, work out of them. And I, and I think that what our task is as a, a store for families with children and children at heart is to really make sure that we keep that, you know, creative spirit and that entrepreneurial spirit, that we're actually nurturing that because each bear is unique. Each bear is special made by that child, and it's like a business or it's like a, a classroom that a teacher starts or a, a patient that a doctor works with. Each one is unique, and we take that work very seriously. So we know um, it's a lot of big numbers, but it's also, um, you know, it's really the, the, the lives we've touched in some ways we'll never know. Well, you know, uh, when we come back, we'll maybe talk about some of the letters you've received uh, uh, from people all over the world, and we'll touch on and take questions from our callers um, as, you know, we're kind of coming to the first break. Uh, and uh, I, I, I do want to mention that... Um, uh, having Maxine on this show is very special to me since we've been such close friends for 14 years and, and been involved in business together, and I've watched her build such a unique and special company. So I do want to uh, encourage people to call in. Uh, if you don't have the number, uh, the number is one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. We will be taking callers in the next segment, uh, and I do want people to uh Encourage and those first five callers that call in in the second segment will get uh, the first five callers will get a $25 gift certificate, a gift coupon from Build a Bear Workshop. Uh, with that, I think it's time for us to take a short break. This is Jimmy Gould with my close friend Maxine Clark, and you're listening to A Current Life on the Voice of America Variety Channel. And Maxine, uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Smart Water, Wild Things Gear, and Outspace Mall Network. Uh, for their support of this show and for the ability to be able, the opportunity for us to bring people like yourself uh, on the show to encourage other people like yourself to go out and build their dreams. Thank you.
You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, and today I have a very special guest here with me, Maxine Clark, who is the founder of Build-A-Bear Workshop. And during this segment, we encourage our listeners to call in and ask Maxine or me a question. The first five callers will each receive a $25 Build-A-Bear gift card. Uh, when we took our break, we were talking about the emotional moments of bringing over 100 million bears to life at Build-A-Bear Workshop. And I asked Maxine to think about maybe some of the favorite letters that she received from all over the world over her 14 years of building Build-A-Bear. So, Maxine, do you have a favorite letter or a few that you want to share with your audience? Oh, I, there are a few that just stand out. I had one in 2006 from a young girl in Saskatchewan, um, Canada, Saskatchewan, uh, Regina, Saskatchewan in Canada. Uh, her name was Kayla Rosin, and Kayla wrote to me, about bringing a Build-A-Bear store to her hometown. She had been actually on a vacation with her parents and had seen a child with a box from Build-A-Bear, and she was enthralled with that. Uh, and she said she gave me um, the mall that she thought we should be in, Cornwall Mall, and she told me that if I opened the store, she would even invest 300 to $500 to help me build it because she'd save that much money, and that kind of a story is pretty incredible. So I wrote back to Kayla, and I told her that we would look into that area of um, Canada, and eventually we opened a store in uh, Saskatoon, which wasn't too far from her house. It was not right around the corner, and she came to visit us on opening day. Although I wasn't there, she uh, came to visit us on opening day, and that's the store she, she shops in. Today she's 14 years old, and now we communicate on Facebook or on Twitter, and she sends me pictures of her bears and on her vacations, and she ta- always picks one of her favorite stuffed animals to take with her. And I, I hope that one day she'll come to work for Build-A-Bear Workshop. So we stay in touch, and um, I've watched her grow up through her eyes and through her stuffed animals on, um, that she's purchased at Build-A-Bear. It's a great relationship that we've built, even though we've never met in person. I, I know that we've had a lot of letters, I mean a lot of bears made for families of the military. You may want to comment on that as well as, uh, some of the other really unique times uh, uh, that people yeah. have shared with you. Yeah. Well, most of the times are um, really happy times because people just want to share a memory with their grandchild or, you know, with their, um, you know, a cousin or a friend. But there are times when our bears come in absolutely perfectly handy. Um, one of them um, is when a parent is a, is a, travels a lot on business or in the case of a, a family that's uh, in the military and maybe living in a, in a foreign country. Uh, what happens is the, the parents come in and the child come in to build a bear and they'll make a bear and they'll put their own voice inside of it and then they'll exchange those bears. And so dad or mom in the military can listen to their child's voice by just pressing the paw and the child can hear mom or dad say, good night, sweetheart, I love you, or whatever the message is, you know, thousands of miles away. And we have, heard, we have gotten tons of letters on what kind of a difference that has made for um, working parents who travel on business as well as uh, people that might be stationed elsewhere. We also have some stories that, you know, are really heart-wrenching. One that we recently uh, received about a week ago from, a father, from one of our store managers, actually, who shared a story about a little girl, Gabby Vogel, in Philadelphia, who passed away uh, from cancer, just as a small child, unfortunately. And her father came into our store on her birthday, and he asked one of our store, he gave um, some cash to one of our store managers and said, please turn this into gift cards and give these away to people who come into your store so they can celebrate Gabby's birthday. She would have wanted that. And he also wrote about it on his website, and other customers came into our store that day to share and celebrate for Gabby because Build-A-Bear was her favorite store. And we even opened our store early for her one day um, so that she could come in when there were no other people in the store because she was not able to be around other children. And those kinds of stories, you know, are so sad, and yet we feel very privileged to have been part of this family's um, life as well as their healing uh, that they're going through now that Gabby's not with us. Uh, even though, you know, she has a trust fund set up and a, a charitable fund, and, of course, Build-A-Bear has contributed it to it, and we're actually working on maybe creating an event at a Build-A-Bear store in Philadelphia to uh, honor Gabby, who was such a special little girl. And so, you know, we get to know their stories. Again, Jimmy, it's about stories. It's about, you know, recognizing that a child's story, regardless 
of how old that child is is very important to the family, but it's also important to us and our history of our company. So we feel so honored, um, you know, in good times and in bad, to be able to be there uh, for our guests, young and old. You know, I've spent uh, almost 20 years backing companies and investing in companies and have been involved in a lot of startup companies. And one of the things that really uh, made a difference when we visited Build-A-Bear was the, the, the bringing to life the experience that you were creating at Build-A-Bear and, the, and the, the uniqueness of what you were doing. And what impressed us the most was obviously your background, your history. I'd like you to talk a little bit about what roads you traveled, you know, what you went through to really build the experience so that you would be able to go and venture out on your own, pursue your dream, and really build a company that became a highly recognized public company, a global company with north of 400 stores in almost every country of the world. Yeah, it's been a journey. I think you said that earlier in the conversation. It is It is about a journey, and now that I'm, you know, older and wiser, I can look back on all the impatience that I might have had as a young person and see, you know, gee, if I had only enjoyed this or I'd only done that. But you can't go backwards. You can only go forwards. And I use those lessons every day to help me in my life. But I would say that, you know, I I went to college. um, I graduated from college in 1971 from the University of Georgia. And I wanted to be anything in 1971 that a woman didn't do. It was a really, you know, big changing uh, culture that we were going through in America. And I wanted to be a business person, a lawyer, a doctor, lots of things that were open to me as a young woman at that time. But unfortunately, I couldn't afford it, so I had to go to work. And one of my professors told me to get a job in retailing, and I did, and I loved it. And I never looked back. In fact, um, you know, maybe in my next life, I will, I will be, go to law school and you know, maybe become an attorney. But it really opened my eyes up to how many ways I could, make, you know, I could use my skills and my curiosity and my um, ability to communicate, not necessarily in a courtroom, but in, a, in, a, in the, the business uh, world. And so I, I joined the executive training program of the May department stores. My first job was in, in Washington, D.C. at the Heck Company. And it was a great time to come into the retail business because so much was going on in the uh, changing in America. All women were going to work. They were buying lots of things that they needed for this new life they were going to have. And I was a part of that. And I was always a, an observer. As I said, I was a curious little girl. and I was always paying attention. And so I've always been pretty good at spotting consumer trends and, and paying attention. And I am the consumer. I, I am a uh, you know, a very much part of a, a regular person, as you know. And I, I go to a lot of malls and a lot of shopping experiences. And I'm not always buying, but I'm looking. And I have a good knack at trying to put one plus one together to come up with ten. And uh, that serves me well. That's from my childhood of, of, you know, just asking so many questions. And I learned a lot in the May Company. I grew up through the May Company. I was promoted to different positions. I worked on the corporate staff. I worked in discount stores. I worked in department stores. And and then ultimately, the May Company moved me to Payless Shoe Source, which they owned at that time, and I was the president of Payless. And that had sort of gone back to my time on the corporate staff when I worked on the acquisition of Payless. So I felt like it was kind of a family business. And those experiences, um, experience is really, really important. I tell this to all young entrepreneurs that I'm talking about, talking to, go get experience. You don't have to do that for your life's work, but learn what to do and what not to do. And I had a great career um, working for the May department stores in retailing, not necessarily about teddy bear retailing, but about retailing that I've been able to um, apply those skills and, and create a successful business. What, uh, you know, in today's world where so many people are out of work and jobs are so scarce and people are having so much trouble, uh, you know, I'm curious, you know, do you think those opportunities still exist? And what do you recommend that we do, not just from a kind of a political structure, but, you know, in ways through schools? I know you're involved uh, with Washington University and other um organizations to encourage kids and help them get jobs and have intern programs and things like that, like we do. What kinds of things do you think we need to do uh, in this country, in America, and around the world to encourage uh, young people to go after their dreams and and have the kind of opportunities that you really created for yourself and uh, by teaching yourself and and going to work for companies and things like that? So many people have jobs today. Uh, the first thing, that's a great question, and the first thing is really, I think that what we need to do as Americans is really make sure that we're um, getting back to our, to, um, 
basics on our, our public education system. I am a product of the public education system all the way from elementary school through college, and it is one of the greatest um, uh, assets that we have in this country. And unfortunately, it's gone in some locations, particularly in our urban um, cities, into disrepair. But it's not just an urban problem. It's a problem in suburbia as well. And we need to reevaluate where we are and where we want to go because that is the ultimate opportunity. It's a free education, and children should be able to get a quality free education regardless of the zip code that they live in. And, you know, I spend a lot of my personal time on uh, public education uh, uh, as a board member of Teach for America and as the chair of the board of a charter school at KIPP Academy here in St. Louis, Missouri. And I find that to be some of the most rewarding work that I do because I know that I am providing those children that come in contact with me through those enterprises with an opportunity to fulfill their dreams, whatever they are, just like I had as a child. Without that education in the, in the future global world, let alone the present global world, they will not be able to accomplish their dreams. And that those dreams will turn into so many different businesses that we cannot possibly imagine today because they're all thinking and dreaming and just like all children do, and we have to help them uh, come into uh, uh, be able to bring those ideas to uh, reality and also get good jobs where they can learn, as I did um, in my May Company experience as an executive trainee. All right. I, uh, first of all, I agree with you. I, it looks like we have a caller, Shirley, from California. Shirley? Yes, I'm here. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And I appreciate your calling a current life. Uh, you're our first caller, and you've also received a $25 Build-A-Bear gift card. So thank you for calling. What, what is your question? Oh, that's great. Um, I was just actually just calling to tell you how much I like this product and that my grandkids um, certainly like it. Uh, we have one right in the mall where I live, and... Um, I think it's a good indication that uh, grandparents will still spend money even in this economy on their grandkids. Oh, God bless you. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> what store do you shop in? Um, it's the one at the shops at Mission Viejo. Oh, great. Yes, that's one of our uh, great stores. Thank you very much. Yeah, it, there seems to be uh, no lack of business or kids dragging their grandparents in there whenever I'm in the mall. <laughs> well, when next time you're well, in, appreciate- make sure you talk to the manager and say hello. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Shirley. I hope you'll stay tuned to our show for the next three months. I appreciate the call. Uh, Maxine, I have a question. Um, as I listen to your story, uh, I am curious if along the way, because uh, I'm sure that uh, uh, everybody is starting a business and we've backed a lot of entrepreneurial stories, uh, and we only have a short kind of time for this question, but whether anybody really tried to tell you you couldn't do what you were setting out to do? Oh, many you? people. Um, most people, you know, especially when I got to Build-A-Bear, people said, why would anybody want to make their own stuffed animal? Adults said that. Kids, however, almost always said, can you make a centipede? Are you going to make dragons? Are you going to make giraffes? They had a million ideas. They could see it right away. And even I wasn't sure yet what it was exactly going to look like. But um, so many people told me I was crazy. What are you doing this for? Why don't you go to work for somebody else? Uh, why don't you just retire? Um, you know, I was 48 years old when I started Build-A-Bear, so I could have retired, but um, I didn't, thank goodness I didn't hear what they were saying. Well, thank God that you and I had the chance to meet and we were able to do business together. Well, we're going to time for another break. It looks like uh, uh, we'll come back to some more questions from the audience. But uh, this is Jimmy Gould with my special guest, Maxine Clark. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. When I got my Keurig Brewer, I loved it so much I decided to name it. The right name had to fit my many sides, from the bold dark roast side to the soft herbal tea side. I landed on Freddy. Yeah, Freddy. It works for me. Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button. All without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder people actually name their Keurig Brewers. Visit Keurig.com for more info. The stove, the refrigerator, all the pots and pans. The sink? Sure, take the kitchen sink too. Yeah, pretty much everything in the kitchen I could live without if I had to. Except, of course, my Keurig Brewer. 
Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button, all without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder your Keurig Brewer is the favorite thing in your kitchen. Visit Keurig.com for more info. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, hello, this is your host, Jimmy Gould, on A Current Life. And I'm here with my special guest and dear friend, Maxine Clark. Maxine is the founder and chief executive of Build-A-Bear Workshop. Maxine, obviously, probably the most important question is, what was the inspiration that really led to your idea of taking the common teddy bear and creating what you did as the first interactive retail concept in the world and uh, really changing the face of retail as far as I'm concerned uh, that no one had ever been able to do before? Oh, that's a great story. And and honestly, it wasn't just one thing, but the one, the one really uh, sort of, uh, key moment was I was out shopping for Beanie Babies with my best friend Katie, who was only 10 years old at the time. We were in a local toy store. I had actually decided I was going to start my own business, and I knew it was going to be a business for children, but I didn't know exactly what. And so I came home, and I immersed myself with my friend's kids, and Katie and I were, it was after school, and we went into the store, and we were looking for Beanie Babies, and they didn't have any more. And she was pretty, you know, upset about it, and she said, you know, these are so easy, we could make these. And I thought to myself, you know, the light went off. I said, oh, my gosh, I've been to factories that make stuffed animals. We could do this. She, however, meant go home to my house and do a craft project in the basement like we always did. And I heard something much bigger. We went back to my house. She goes downstairs to the basement, and I go to the computer. Now, it wasn't exactly – there wasn't a Google then. You couldn't find everything as easily as you can find it today. But I did go online, and I looked for businesses that might be in the, in the factory of making stuffed animals. I found a few, and I started calling them. And most of them thought I was crazy. It would never work. Obviously, um, they turned me down. Uh, and I was talking to Katie about it. And she said, you know, well, why don't we do it? And she just thought we meant, you know, I still meant, at 10 years old, she thought I still meant, you know, kind of let's do a store where we can create crafts and make teddy bears and this will be really fun. I don't think she understood the, the gravity of the message she was conveying to me. But she was so engaged and her little brother, Jack, was so engaged that I decided, you know, this is it. I've landed on it. And I started asking a lot of her friends and other kids' friends, and, and the, the rest, you know, is history, as they say. But if I go back a little bit, there are lots of things pointing in this direction. Um, I had a friend whose daughter graduated from uh, college. I went to her college graduation, going around the dorm. All of her friends, you know, these are grown-up uh, kids now, had stuffed animals in their college dorm with their college logo on it or from their girlfriend or boyfriend. And that I, I could see very clearly that the teddy bear and a stuffed animal in particular had a very strong place in their own personal history. And so all of these things kind of collided at first, including the advent of the Internet. So when something so hard comes on so strongly, it's time for something soft as well. And Build-A-Bear Workshop was literally and figuratively a soft touch uh, in face of this very hard environment we were all coming to. And, and it was a way to personalize and customize a product that had never, you know, it was, it, it was really pretty simple. But everybody was looking to do it through technology, and we did it. We were the counter-technology idea. So you've made tons of people all over the world smile. I mean, everyone who knows you personally or has experienced the Build-A-Bear experience, I mean, knows that you really look at every kid that comes into your store as your own kid. I've heard you say that to me many times. Uh, your inspiration that created all this, how has this really changed you? Oh, wow. I, you know, I've, I think I've always been a big thinker, but this really allowed me to see, you know, the much bigger impact that, you know, um, a business has on, on the world, as on the local economy, on the global economy, on the lives of its customers, on the community in which it operates as a, you know, where you can become charitable, what your, your, what your responsibility is to your community, not when you just live here, but when you own a business here and you 
um, you hire people here, and everywhere you go, people know who you are, um, and that, that you are the brand. You are walking around. You're a walking, living, breathing example of the brand. So a lot of times, I can't be, you know, off off kilter any one day because I might run into somebody who's a customer of Build a Bear, and they're going to recognize me, and they'll say, "Oh, there's the Bear Lady." Or um, and I and I get this a lot of places, and I am so excited. You know, I, I never thought of myself as a celebrity, but I really am excited to be held up as a role model for for children and for adults but particularly young females and, and students that I meet along the way that think they can, through my story, that they can actually do that themselves. And that well, really can, is a powerful feeling. I can attest to the fact that you've actually had a major impact on me, and, and I'm, I'm an old bull, so obviously you've had some effect on me, so I can't even imagine what it's done to other people. We have a caller, Michelle. Michelle, welcome to A Current Life. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? We're good. Good. I just wanted to say um, kudos. I, I own a local business in the Phoenix area, and um, we do a charitable event every year. We try to focus on a different local charity to stay within the community and support not just one charity every year, but we try to spread the love around a little bit so that everybody gets a piece of it. And um, this year we're actually doing a charity event um uh, for Huntington's disease, which actually, which actually hit yeah. home with one of our own staff. So it's just great to see that somebody keeps something in the community, and as a business owner, as a female business owner, that goes a long way. It really does. You're right, you're right to do it. it. It really matters. Absolutely, and people really want to get involved. As soon as they hear something about that, everybody's ready to, to be on board. My staff get excited about it. And it's a fun day, and we just get all the, the whole family involved, the community involved, and we just have a great afternoon. Well, yeah, Michelle, it really does a lot for your company too. Your employees really feel a sense of commitment as well. Absolutely, it just it, it keeps the, the the loyalty with within your company, especially when you're a small business and in this tough economy, and you're in the beauty industry and any industry for that matter. But just being a small business owner, it just it keeps that keeps your name in the community and people know that you actually care and you're doing something for others other than just trying to maintain an income. You know, Michelle, this, this country was founded on small business owners and, and, and one of the things that Maxine was able to create was one store and now it's a lot of stores, but the fact is our economy obviously is suffering because the small business owner is having so many problems today and hopefully right. we can get back on track and that was one of the reasons for the show was to talk to everyday people and understand that there's not just a Main Street or Wall Street, but there are people in between that need to really reach out and help one another and 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 hear stories like Maxine's story and, and really understand, mm -hmm. you know, uh, how to go about it. So thank you for calling, and I Absolutely. hope you'll stay as a listener on our current life. Um, so... Uh, uh, Maxine, I guess I've always wondered, and I probably will ask everybody that's on this show this question. Uh, it's a, maybe a corny question to some people, but if you could sit down for dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I would really like to sit down with uh, Eleanor Roosevelt uh, because as a child I heard about her in so many ways, and since I've read books, recently read a book, about Eleanor and Franklin, and I think that I would really like to know, um, you know, what she, how she saw the world at, at that particular time in history, and how she was so able to see the future and our responsibility to each other as human beings. Uh, I really would like to probe that with her uh, because um, I think she just made such a significant difference as a as a first lady long before first ladies were making a, a difference, but also just as a, she was such a down to earth human being when she had so many other things she could have done with her time. You know, um, you went on at a very important time in the company on the Oprah Winfrey show, and uh, it might be fun for you to talk a little bit about that. I know the show's not there anymore, but that experience was really special to you, wasn't it? Oh, it was an amazing experience. Um, the good, the good part of this, one part of the story was that when Oprah first called me, I was in Japan and I couldn't be there the next day for the show. I mean, they literally wanted us to show up the next day and we couldn't do that. And you know, she called me back and she said, well, can you be here by Wednesday? And if you do that, I'll, I'll put, I'll really put the whole store on the show. Um, so of course I was able to get back by Wednesday and we literally did put the whole story, built a little Build-A-Bear workshop on the, in the studio 
and she was enthralled with that. She had not been to a Build-A-Bear store, but she made a bear for Quincy Jones. It was his birthday coming up, and I knew that because my birthday was around his time as well, and we had a great um, experience. But the best part of that experience was um, meeting the other entrepreneurs that were on her show, as well as about a year later, she invited me uh, to come to South Africa with her and to uh, set up a Build-A-Bear store uh, for a very short period of time for the children in South Africa that she was um, a mentor to. And that was, a li- that, in it, that was really the life-changing experience because I got to meet people in South Africa. Um, several of those people actually work for us today. We op- uh, Oprah encouraged us to open a franchise in South Africa, which we did really quickly, and we were able to hire some of those people and really bring the love of a teddy bear to a very interesting marketplace. And that came well, from just being on that show. Well, you've taken you know a lot of pride in building a company with heart. We talk about that a lot. Uh, you might take you know thirty seconds to just kind of say, how have you managed to keep that as a priority? Well, we're just a very connected company. I really you know I'm a pre- I'm a people person, and I don't feel complete unless I'm really spending time with the people, whether it's our customers um, and our associates. And so we do a lot of things in our company to. Um, uh, to do that, like we always have, we have our, what we call a chief chat, and um, once a month, anybody can come in and ask us any kind of questions they want. I do uh, phone calls across the United States of America, conference calls with our stores, or Skype calls. I am in our stores a lot, and so I get to, you know, touch customers and and be with our associates. And everyone knows. I mean, you have to keep. You just can't. You know, you can't pretend it's there and not live it every day. You really have to walk the talk. But we reinforce it all the time because new people come into our company. And we want to make sure that they know it's as true for them as it is for people who've been here since the beginning. And it, it is, it's not work. It's, that's the pleasure of the job. But you can't just take for granted that everybody knows to call you. You have to reach out to them and make sure that they are, feel included and welcome. Well, you've, you've managed to do that. It's time for another commercial break. Brought to you by Smart Water, Current Life. This is Jimmy Gould with my guest, Maxine Clark. listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, Hello again. This is Jimmy Gould. Uh, Welcome to A Current Life. I'm here with my good friend, the founder and chief executive, Bear, Maxine Clark. Uh, Maxine, I think we're uh, uh, getting a bunch of calls, so we're going to try to fit that in. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll start before I know who's calling in. Um, Kind of uh, what, what is your favorite bear of all time? Oh, um, my favorite bear probably is the bear that uh, is Curly Bear. We don't make the same exact Curly Bear anymore, but the first one that we made, um, my husband made it for me, and he dressed it in a golf outfit because he's a golfer, and it dry, it's in my car. It sits in the back seat. You've seen it, Jimmy. And every time I get in the car, I say hello to it. I give it a hug, and I, I, when I'm in, I leave my car, I can come back to the car, and I see people looking in my car and talking to that bear, uh, and that's how they know. Oftentimes they know it's me, but it's just sitting there in the seat. So Curly is my favorite. Well, I can tell you, uh, well, first of all, let's welcome Robert uh, is our caller from, I think, Robert from Tennessee. Is that correct? Yes. Hey, Maxine, Jimmy, how are you guys? We're good. Fine, thank you. Welcome to uh, Current Life. Thank you. What's your question? Hey, Jimmy, I just want to say you're doing a great job. I really look forward to uh, listening to the rest of the series. And, uh, Maxine, I had a question for you as a male. Um, I was just wondering if your husband is involved in Build-A-Bear at all, and if so, what does he do? My husband um, has his own business. Uh, he is in a home remodeling and um, uh, business, and he is involved in Build-A-Bear in the sense that uh, he's, you know, my knight in shining armor, and he has helped me. Uh, he has a different way that he looks at business problems and business solutions, and so we talk about a lot of these things together. And actually, he's helped us design our fixtures, some of our fixtures in our stores, and how to more efficiently uh, design our stores as well as make them maintenance-free. Uh, he's really good at that side, so he's really helped a lot with that. And he's, he likes to um, – he has his own business card, even though he's not officially involved in the business. It's Papa Bear. Oh, Okay. Well, that's cool. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Thank you, Robert. Uh, I hope you'll continue to listen. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Jimmy. 
Um, you're welcome. Uh, Maxine, so I'd like you to take a minute since uh, we've had this long relationship and tell the listeners a little bit about what you and I call a violent agreement, uh, which speaks lengths about our relationship and something that has really allowed us to have a great exchange in Build-A-Bear and around discussions and how important it is to have partners and investors and advisors where you can disagree and you can talk about it openly. Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of young, a lot of entrepreneurs in general, you know, they're very uh, reluctant to share their ideas because they're afraid somebody else is going to steal their idea and they don't even want really, they want money, but they don't really want investors because investors, really good investors, uh, give you their money, but they also add a lot of value because they give you their experience and they give you their heart and soul that they feel about the business and, and I think that that's one of the things that I definitely learned from my investors and particularly uh, you, Jimmy. I mean, you don't do anything halfway. And most investors don't. They want to invest because they want the business to be successful and they want the people in the business to be successful. And so they get, they, they're in it for the, for the long haul. And, and in this case, I think that, you know, it's also about confrontation. And a lot of people aren't comfortable with confrontation. They're not comfortable with disagreement. But if you're going to move forward, you have to be able to talk openly and get out on your chest what's bothering you. And a lot of times, you know, we, 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 you and I have done this a lot. We've been talking about the same thing, ultimately having the same goal, but maybe having a different way of getting at that. And we've been able to, to vet that and hear each other speak from two different angles about the same opportunity, whether it's entertainment, whether it's store size, whether it's locations. We've had, we've had a lot of conversations, and I know by those conversations that you always have my back that you're always looking out for me as a friend, but, but as a business person, so that I can learn from your experiences, and then you're also always willing to listen um, to my way of thinking. And we, we may walk away still disagreeing, but we have a, we've aligned behind a common um, goal. And I think well, that that know, is a, an important dis- difference that people don't always understand. Well, a lot of people may understand this or may not. I mean, um, I've always said what's on my lungs is on my tongue, so I'll say this yeah. to you, that I believe... We were asked a question once in private equity, how many women-backed businesses, you know, we backed. And quite frankly, we were probably the leader in the country. Uh, we were an SBIC fund, so we had government money helping, and one of our first investments was Build-A-Bear. And um, we did it because we felt you had all of the uh, assets, all of the tools, all of the understanding of how to take a business and make it successful. And quite frankly, to a degree, it's kind of what I feel our country needs as well right now. Uh, women leadership, women understanding of problems. And as a man, uh, I've been honored to be both a partner and a mentor and an advisor and uh, a colleague of yours. And I wanted you to kind of tell the audience how you feel about going through the process of raising money, what it was like, the kind of people you encountered, and some of the things that you had to adapt to. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I'm always careful to talk about this because I think that my story is, is a unique one, and it's not necessarily the norm, but, um, you know, I, again, it's about sharing. I was never afraid to share my story with others in hopes that they could make that story bigger. And so when um, I knew that I, I didn't mind having a bigger piece of a small pie, a small piece of a big pie. It didn't, you know, I was looking at sharing and, and I thought, well, someday Bilderberg can be really big. How am I going to get it that way? And uh, my first investor was a local uh, business person who, um, you know, out of the blue just called me on the phone and said, you know, I, I like what you're doing. How can I help? And, and then you were, you came along right after that. And I think that uh, I was really, you know, again, willing to share, willing to say, you know, this is, this could be something if we all work together with a common goal and it wasn't always, I mean, we, we, you know, we have different, maybe have different um, agendas at some points in time, but I would say that 90% of the time, we might remember the 10% of the time that we didn't, but 90% of the time we were on the same trajectory to create value for our shareholders, to create value for the associates of Build-A-Bear Workshop, and create value for our customers. And when we kept that goal in mind, we were able to grow our business together. Um, not, it, it, you know, it's never easy, and it's not always fun, but it is, um, you know, you have to keep the, the, the goal in mind, and I think that we always did that. Uh, and that's, again, a, a bigger picture story, which a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes are, are not thinking big enough about what the real opportunity is, and therefore they kind of get that caught up in the little, the little things, including not knowing how to write a business plan or not letting other people add value to their business. And an investor, the financial investor, 
That's one thing, but you've got to be able to add other value. And I think of all the connections you've brought to the table or all the connections our other investors brought to the table that helped grow this business. It was way more about the, about the, the quality of the investor than the money they were investing. I mean, that's what's really added the value. And I feel just fortunate that I was never, I was never intimidated by that. Um, I was really open to that. Well, it's been a great experience for not only for you, but for us as well. I'd like you to take maybe a minute uh, before we close out and, and offer any advice you can to our younger listeners that aspire to follow their dreams in life and become successful like you. Well, the, the first thing and the only thing really is to find your passion. What is it that you care most about? What gets you excited when you wake up in the morning? And then figure out how you can create a business around that passion. Because when you're happy and loving what you do and do what you love, you will be successful in your heart and in your bank account. And that really, they both need to matter because in today's world, uh, you know, it's hard work making a business successful and you better love it because you're going to be doing it for a long time to come and it's not going to always be easy. Well, our time's almost up. I'd like to go ahead and thank you, Maxine, my dear friend, for sharing your journey with us on A Current Life. I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning into A Current Life on the Voice of America Variety Channel. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Smart Water, the smartest and best tasting water that you can drink. And you should look into the Jennifer Aniston link that you can find on the Smart Water um, uh, channel. And uh, uh, Wild Things Gear, as well as Ad, Ad Space Mall Network, will be coming to you every Friday from 3 to 4 East Coast time, 12 Pacific. Uh, and I want to welcome also next Friday one of my other very dear friends, the internationally best-selling novelist Nicholas Sparks will be being on the air as our second guest starting next Friday. And uh, I want to thank you. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, signing off. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, and success. Thank you very much. Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week. When I got my Keurig Brewer, I loved it so much I decided to name it. The right name had to fit my many sides, from the bold, dark roast side to the soft herbal tea side. I landed on Freddy. Yeah, Freddy. It works for me. Who doesn't love their Keurig Brewer? It can brew the perfect cup of coffee, tea, and hot cocoa with just the touch of a button, all without a fuss and so little mess or cleanup. With over 250 varieties to choose from, it's no wonder people actually name their Keurig Brewers. Visit Keurig.com for more info.